she knew how to generate enthusiasm with a smile, a talent Gray found quite fascinating and useful in dealing with his clients. And, perhaps most importantly, she didn't mind helping him with his research on the little-known Western poet, Sherborne Ulysses Twitchell. Amber was secretly convinced that it was her tolerance on the latter subject that had got her the job offer. Not many people were inclined to be tolerant of the work of S.U. Twitchell. Amber had accepted the position as Gray's assistant at once. Tonight, Grayson was offering marriage in the same casual, reasonable manner in which he'd offered Amber a job. You're serious, aren't you? she asked. Very. It makes sense, Amber. We work together, we respect each other, we enjoy each other's company. Our goals and interests are similar. I want you to give the matter serious consideration. He smiled self-deprecatingly. I know I'm not the most passionately exciting man on the face of the earth, but you don't seem to be looking for passion or excitement. Amber shook her head quickly, her eyes earnest. No, she whispered. You're absolutely right. I'm not looking for either. She'd had far too much of both six months ago with Rourke Kelly. The extreme highs and the equally extreme lows of her relationship with the championship race car driver had kept her off balance for two months before she'd finally pulled herself together long enough to put an end to the destructive whirlwind. Kelly had brought passion and fire and romance into her world on a scale that was larger than life. Amber had learned the hard way that she wasn't the kind of woman who was cut out to cope with the turmoil such extremes of emotion caused. She had fled Southern California and the excellent job with the advertising agency in search of a more stable, more serene existence. She had decided to visit her sister's family in Bellevue and had wound up staying. Amber had found exactly what she was searching for when she'd gone to work for Cormac Grayson. Gray was right. The kind of marriage he was offering was precisely the type to which she was most suited. But there was a little matter of honor and integrity. She didn't love Gray. She liked him, admired him, respected him, but she didn't love him. Amber sometimes wondered if her ability to respond to love and passion had been forever destroyed by the fires of her involvement with Rourke Kelly. Tell me what you're thinking, Amber. Gray didn't move from the corner of the couch as he watched a myriad of expressions cross her face. Amber was the perfect name for her, Gray had often thought. It accurately described the brown gold of her hair and the warm color of her faintly slanted eyes. The hair was worn in a mass of small curls held back from her face tonight by tortoiseshell combs. The halo of golden brown framed the wide, heavily lashed eyes, a full mouth, and a delicately shaped nose and chin. Amber was an intelligent woman with the sort of face people found interesting, even attractive, but not particularly beautiful. In the nearly three months he had known her, Gray had never seen her wear much makeup. That suited him just fine. But it also made him curious. He wondered occasionally how much makeup she had worn when she'd worked as an account executive at the advertising agency in Southern California. Something told him that her severe restraint with eyeshadow, blusher, lipstick, and nail polish now was another of her reactions to the life she had once known. He was always pleasantly aware of the delicious curve of her small breasts and the provocative roundness of her well-shaped derriere. Lately, it was getting almost impossible to keep his hands off her. 
She was not a dieting zealot, and that pleased Gray. He had no particular fondness for fashionably skinny women. He didn't know many men who did. As Sherborne Ulysses Twitchell had once said in a line from one of his more inspired verses, a woman should look like a woman, not a starving heifer. As devoted to S.U.T. as Gray was, he couldn't remember how the next line went. Twitchell had not been able to find anything memorable to rhyme with heifer. Nevertheless, it was the thought that counted, and Twitchell's thoughts on the matter of the feminine shape equated nicely with Gray's. A man could enjoy a good meal with Amber and not have to watch her pick delicately at her food. A man could enjoy a lot more than his food with Amber Langley, Gray knew. There was a warm, sweet passion in her that was just waiting to be tapped. At the moment, it was still hidden safely under wraps. Gray was almost certain that it was concealed not only from most of the people who met Amber, but also from Amber herself. Some man in Southern California had singed her badly. She needed time and peace in which to recover. But Gray had determined within a day or two of meeting Amber Langley that when she was prepared to explore her emotions again, he was going to be the man in the vicinity. If he talked her into marrying him, his position would be more or less assured. He would be standing in front of Sleeping Beauty when she awoke. From beneath half-lowered lids that concealed the watchfulness in his eyes, Gray waited for Amber to answer his question. What am I thinking? she repeated with a faint frown. Just that you've taken me by surprise. I hadn't realized. She broke off to run her tongue nervously over her lower lip. I hadn't been aware that you were viewing me as a... a wife. Gray smiled gently. Why not? I think I know you fairly well after these past couple of months together. What more could I want in a wife? Amber took a firm grip on her resolve. How about love? She suggested baldly. Gray, I'm very fond of you, but I don't love you. I'm not sure I'm capable of loving a man, at least not in the fiery, passionate way men always seem to want. Do I strike you as the fiery, passionate type? One dark brow lifted in sardonic amusement. How strange. I always think of myself as placid and quiet. Definitely a slow burner. In spite of her mixed emotions, Amber found herself grinning. You have no idea how comfortable it is to be around a slow burner. Then marry me and be comfortable on a full-time basis. Amber's smile faded. She looked down at the glass of cognac cradled in her hands. Are you sure you know what you're doing, Gray? Have you ever known me when I didn't know what I was doing? There was no arrogance behind the remark. Cormac Grayson always knew what he was doing. Amber was aware of that. She shook her head. No, Gray. I've never seen you make a serious mistake, at least not in business. But this is a little different, don't you think? This is marriage. What's so different about marriage? I've analyzed the situation and us. I think we'll be good together. Neither of us is the hot-blooded type. We aren't blinded by a lot of emotional garbage, and we're both basically honest. Furthermore, I think we're both capable of making a commitment and sticking to it. What more does it take to make a marriage work? Amber moved one hand in an exasperated motion. What more? I don't know what more it takes, Gray. I've always heard it takes love and passion in addition to integrity. Don't you believe it? A lot of successful marriages have taken place during the past few thousand years, 
and I'm willing to bet that almost none of them were based on love and passion. The truth is, the 20th century notion of romantic love is a fairly recent development. No one during the past few centuries expected to marry for love. Amber's head came up, her eyes narrowing faintly. I know. Previous generations married for money or business reasons or to beget heirs. None of those reasons apply in this case. I'm quite capable of supporting myself. There's no overriding business reason to marry you, and unless you've suddenly decided you need an heir, I don't see what... Gray grinned briefly at the stubborn look on her face. Calm down. I was just trying to point out the fact that a marriage doesn't have to be forged in the fires of a volcano in order to be successful. He held up one large palm as if to forestall any further protest. There's no need to argue about it. I'm certainly not going to push you into anything. You know me better than that. All I ask is that you think about it. And don't worry about not being able to offer me some fantasy of passionate love. I don't expect it, and probably wouldn't know what to do with it if I got it. Amber relaxed, her mouth curving slightly. You sound like quite an authority on the subject. He shrugged again. Maybe I am. I was married once, for about two years. That was a long time ago, back when I still worried about things like fiery passion. I didn't know. Amber was suddenly intensely curious, but she didn't dream of prying. It's been over a long time. I learned a lot, Amber. Believe me, I know what I'm doing this time. He sat up and placed his snifter down onto the glass-topped end table with careful precision. I'm not going to rush you for an answer although I'll admit it would be convenient for us to get married within the next couple of weeks. The next couple of weeks? Amber was startled. I have to leave for Arizona at the end of October. You know that. He reminded